the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Today's sermon is pre-recorded. Born of the Spirit, Almighty God. If I am born of the flesh, my case is hopeless. But Lord, if you give me birth in the Spirit, all things will be made new, and your glory will shine forth. Lord, may I tonight please just step back, and would you step forward? And would you let this word deal with the heart of each man and woman, each boy and girl in this house? Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I have been saying to the Lord, O Lord, What is the path of salvation? What is the path of salvation? I've spent all of my life, Lord, studying your word, trying to understand this path of salvation. But I've awakened this morning and I'm so confused. I'm struggling. Lord, what is this path of salvation? The reason for my confusion this morning was that a friend brought by a number of Christian magazines. I don't normally look at these magazines. One was entitled The New Man by the Strang Publication people. There was Christianity Today. There were several evangelical Christian magazines. And so I picked them up and began to just read through them trying to understand what they were saying. And I read a number of the articles. And when I was finished reading these articles, that's when the confusion began to roll in on my soul. And I began to say, Lord, I don't understand the word, the way it's being portrayed in these leading evangelical magazines. Because this word is not the word I find in the scripture. What's the problem? And I began to see an avalanche of wickedness that has come flooding in over the body of Christ in North America. So much so that if I were to go to China tonight and enter into some of these home fellowship groups, the theology that they would be teaching in these home fellowship groups would be totally unlike what is being taught in Christianity today. 
there would be a total different kind of theology being spoken about. In China, there would be denying yourself, taking up your cross, sacrificing everything to follow Jesus. There would be conversations about how are we going to handle the family if you're taken to prison. There would be conversations about how we have to be very careful who sees us come into this place. There would be conversations about the glorious gift of Jesus Christ and how we're called to consecrate ourselves entirely to him and to walk away from all of the world. But when I read the modern magazines, Christianity Today and New Man, they have the ten great films of the decade. They have the ten top sports figures. They have a listing of the spiritual men who are having the most positive impact on America. And the men they're listing would not even be considered Christian by those outside of America. But we have come to a place in America where we have formed our own religion, and we have named that Christianity. But it is not of the word. And so today in America, it's okay if a a man says, I love Jesus. I have this sentimental relationship with Jesus. I can go out and do whatever I want to do. I'm welcome to go to any place of darkness. I can go clubbing down in Adams Morgan. I can go to any of the professional sports games. I can consume my time sitting in front of the television. I can watch what I want to watch. I can drink. I can smoke. I can do drugs. I can, I mean, we all have problems, you know. I love Jesus. And so everything's okay. And so the belief across the board allows you to go into a congregation and sit in that church and have zero conviction of sin, but have a great dose of positive schlock poured out into your life, sentimental, to make you feel good. And you leave and you're no more holy than when you walked in. It's the same reason I like to go down to some of these places and jump on the roller coaster. You know, I love roller coasters. I'm a little shy of the ones that flip me upside down. (laughs) But I love roller coasters. Why do I love roller coasters? Because I can go get on that roller coaster and I can do that shooting down over 100 feet straight down. I mean, it's neck cracking wind blowing in your face over a hundred miles an hour in seconds and the rush of coming up to the top and looking over the edge while you're almost still and you know it in a second the bottom's going to drop out and you go through all of this visceral excitement and your body's pumping and you get off and your life is normal again And you get to go on and do whatever you want to do. That was a great ride. It was a great experience. We're a consumer of great rides and great experiences. And so when we come to the church, we want a great ride. We want a great experience. 
But we want to walk out the door and be the same as we were when we walked in the door. And I'm saying, God, is that what you're saying to us? That's not the Christian faith. That's not Jesus. And the churches in the persecuted lands, they know that's not Jesus. And they don't have the luxury of fooling around with it. When I come to the scriptures, I find that it's deadly serious. It means what it says, and it's for keeps. You either walk it out honestly, without compromise, or you're out. As the one man said this last week, I don't want to go to heaven. You can't talk to me about Jesus because I love violence, I love darkness. I love gambling. I know what I love, and what I love is not what is in the Scriptures. If the heaven you're talking about is described in the Scripture, I don't want to go there. I praise God for His clarity. I mean, He knew what He wanted and what He didn't want, and I'm saying, Lord, could we have some Christians equally clear about what they want and what they don't want? Now let's walk back through a story and way of review. We have Abram. He's been called by God to leave his family and to come to the land of Canaan. He begins to move to the land of Canaan, but he won't leave his family. He brings his dad along. He brings his nephew along. He, bl- he brings a whole entourage. And so it is. God says to us, come on and follow me. And we say, okay, I'll come and follow you, but i got to bring everybody along with me. And so they came with him, but by the time they got to Haran, Daddy was too sick to go on to the land of Canaan. And he said, no, let's just settle halfway. God will understand. Well, God didn't understand because it wasn't God's plan to give him Haran. It was God's plan to give him the land of Canaan. So God was very patient with Abram and worked with Abram. And finally, Daddy dies, and now it's time to go to the land of Canaan. But he still has Lot he's dragging along behind him. Can't get rid of Lot. Finally gets to the land of Canaan, and the sheep are so multiplied that the herdsmen are fighting. And so Abram finally says, look, we need to separate because our, our herders are fighting. You go to the left and I'll go to the right. You choose first. And he looked down and he saw the well-watered plain that looked like Egypt. He said, there's no question here. I'm going to take the grassland. Finally, God gets these men separated. And now God begins to talk to Abram. You wonder why God isn't talking to you sometimes? Maybe it's because you're dragging everything with you that God told you to let go of. You can't hang on to everything and expect God to talk to you. Oh, I want to drag my dreams with me. You know, I used to believe that all I had of value were my dreams. You know, I was growing up in that age of sensitivity meetings and They were telling me, go for the gusto. I mean, my buddies in seminary were flipping real estate deals because they said, we got to go for it, Ray. We're not going to get paid enough by the church. We've got to flip real estate deals and make money. 
Well, they got out into the ministry and they discovered nobody was keeping track of their time so they could work five or six hours a week and the rest of the time they could devote to their real estate business. I mean, it was a good business. Those kinds of things, God finally stops talking to us because we're so caught up in everything that we're hanging on to. And I just wonder right now at the beginning, are any of you hanging on to anything that makes it hard for you to hear the word of God tonight? Are you hanging on to a job? Are you hanging on to a dream? Are you hanging on to some vision of doing something great for God? There is no dream God likes to crash like the one, oh, I'm going to do something great for God. That's the very dream God will crash first. Never forget the Sunday we went to see Pastor David Wilkerson at the Times Square Church. We'd been explaining to him about the National Prayer Chapel. We'd had lunch with he and his staff, with Carter Conlon and with some others, and we'd shared the whole vision. As we were about ready to leave, he slipped us an envelope with quite a bit of money in it and a set of tapes. He said, I want you to listen to these tapes on the way home. I said, okay, what are they? The death of a dream. And as we listened to this set of tapes, it basically said, your dream's never going to happen. So why don't you just go ahead and let go of it now because God's going to crush it. We did not like that word at all. We hadn't wanted the vision of the National Prayer Chapel. We didn't like the idea. And yet it felt like God put it right on us. And now we get the message from our mentor, go ahead and let it die. So we listened to this series of tapes What emerged out of it was very interesting. He was saying, every part of the person that is involved in creating this dream must die. And either this dream has to come to pass, birthed by the Spirit of the living God, or it won't come to pass. Well, that went against all my entrepreneurial spirit. I'm willing to sacrifice anything I need to for God, but just let me have a place where I can work hard to make it happen. You know, I, I have a contribution to make. And the Lord was saying to me, no, you do not have a contribution to make. If you make a contribution, you can stand up at the end and say, look what God did with my help. And God will not let me touch his glory. So now we have Abram by himself, and God comes to him and tells him, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son. His wife, Sarai, comes to him after that and says, look, I'm not going to be able to bear a son for you. But I have this this, uh, Egyptian handmaiden. Take her as your wife. You can have a son through her. And in this way, I can build a dynasty with you. And so that's what they did. He took this woman as his second wife. And you know the story. She immediately became pregnant. And she had a son. 
And his son's name was Ishmael. And the son was to be a donkey of a man, always in trouble, always stirring up wrath, always contentious, always fighting, always struggling. God didn't speak to Abram for 13 years after they did that. Finally, God came once more and spoke with them and said, you are going to have a son. You and Sarah are going to have a son. They laughed. They said, how are we going to have a son? We're old. Sarah's dried up. We can't have a child. But the child was born, and they named him Isaac. Isaac meaning laughter. Okay, now you have set up the struggle in the family. Abram loves his Ishmael. And he says, God, if you would only bless my Ishmael. Just bless my Ishmael. Look, God, I've worked so hard to build this career. Would you just bless me in my career? God, I've worked so hard to to buy this house. Would you just bless my house? God, I've struggled so hard with my wife. Will you just bless our marriage? And the Lord isn't interested in blessing Ishmael's donkeys. Now, he does give a very interesting word. The word is, I will be with Ishmael, and he will become a great nation. But of course, as Ishmael is sent away from the camp with Hagar, he becomes an archer. And his mama goes down to Egypt and gets him a wife. What's happening? This boy is growing up in the normal way of growing up. He is learning how to survive in the human flesh. And he is creating for himself the possibility of providing for himself and his mama. And he becomes a powerful man. And he does, in fact, birth a whole nation. We're still dealing with the Ishmaelite nation today. Contentious always fighting amongst itself. It's part of why we're in Iraq. But now let's turn the other direction. There was another child born. He was a child born of promise. Now this is review from the last time we were together, and we'll close the review with these last few remarks. It becomes very clear that if a Christian pursues the birthing of Ishmael's, their life will be one of contention and disruption, bitterness and heartache. If, on the other hand, we leave behind our Ishmael's and send them out, and instead we trust that everything that God will bring into our life and into our heart will be his desire. We will live in peace, we will live in blessing, and we will be used by Almighty God. Now, part of what the National Prayer Chapel has been going through is setting out and dividing out those things in our lives 
that we have created in our own flesh. That's been the work that we've been engaged in. It's been a serious work. It has caused many to go to their cupboards and search through and find all the videos and put them in the trash because they're Ishmael videos. If they're filled with violence, if they're filled with darkness, if they're filled with seduction, they're Ishmael, they're from Egypt, and they don't belong in a house of faith, and so we get those out. It's forced us to go through our magazines and say, are these magazines Ishmael magazines or are they Son of Promise magazines? And based on that determination, we've thrown away a lot of stuff. Some of you had to go through your clothes closet and look at the clothing and say, is this Ishmael clothing or is this Holy Spirit clothing? And some with the bare midriffs know that that's Ishmael clothing. It's Egyptian clothing. Some of the tight, ungodly clothes that are worn today, commonly, even to the house of the Lord. We, this is not legalism. It's simply recognizing what is of darkness, what is Ishmael, and calling it by its name and saying, we don't want to walk that way. We want to walk as a son of promise under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is also for some of you to go to your refrigerators and look at what you're eating and when you're eating. And some of you have come to recognize that a major sin in your life is gluttony, that you live to eat. You don't eat to live. And the discipline of fasting has begun to come into this congregation. Charles Wesley would not even consider a man for the ministry if he did not fast a minimum of one day a week. He was considered unfit for service in the kingdom of God. And I would just say to you, if you are not fasting at least one day a week, please consider it. Begin to examine every area of your life and ask the question, is this of Ishmael or is this of the son of promise? And everything that you come to that the Holy Spirit speaks into your heart and says, this is Ishmael, then let it go. Let it go. Not because there's a law that says you have to let it go. Not because there's a a requirement at the National Prayer Chapel that you let it go. You let it go because it's Ishmael. Some of you have struggled mightily with the television. And of course, you have to ask the question, was this program written by an Ishmaelite? You know, with the gold ring in his ear. Was this broadcast produced by Ishmaelites? Does this broadcast portray springs of living water, or does it portray the putrid springs of darkness? And does it well up into your heart into salvation, or does it well up into your heart rebellion? It's been astonishing to me the change in attitude that can occur when a person simply sits down and watches Jerry Springer. I mean, 
rebellion rises up in a person's heart. Bitterness rises up. Well, when we open the eyes of our soul to the Ishmaelite world, then we become an Ishmaelite and not a son of promise. And so I would ask you now as we conclude this review, do you have left in your home anything of Ishmael? Get rid of it. Now let me just speak a moment about Ishmaelite relationships. I'm in a position by God's grace to be married to a woman that God told me to marry. I praise God for that. In spite of that, he still needs to keep between us lest we kill one another. Some of you are married to people you chose. You did not marry at the direction of the Lord. You chose out of your own lustful heart. And what do you do with that relationship? Well, the answer is very simple. You bring that relationship to the cross of Jesus Christ in your prayer room. And you repent for marrying that person without having the direction of Jesus Christ. And then you put that person in that relationship under the blood of Jesus Christ. And you ask Jesus to wholly sanctify that marriage. You ask him to turn that marriage into something so beautiful that Satan will be enraged. You ask Jesus to come by the power of his awesome love and grace to surround that marriage and to build it up as a testimony against the powers of darkness. Now, some of you are going to find that your spouse thinks you're going overboard with this religion stuff. They're going to say, you know, I like you being religious, but this is too much. You're going crazy. They're going to say, you need to be balanced in life. And what they mean by that is you need to be balanced between wickedness and righteousness. That way you can hang with the world and you can hang with God. Well, let me give you just some very practical advice. Don't argue with them. Don't tell them they're wrong. Spend your time in the prayer closet so that you aren't judging that wonderful woman or that wonderful man that God has given to you. And if you're in that kind of a place today, I would ask you to, to carve out a minimum of one hour a day from your schedule to pray for your spouse. An hour a day. I had a, a dear lady come to me and, and she said, Pastor, I heard you say that. I don't have an hour a day to pray for my husband. I said, oh, okay. Then don't pray for him and let the marriage break. Do you have time for your marriage to break? No. Would that be expensive? Yes. Well, then maybe you need to find an hour a day to pray. In other words, finding that hour a day to just plead before God. Jesus said, couldn't you even wait an hour? Couldn't you even pray an hour with me? 
So in other words, if this marriage that you're in was birthed out of an Ishmael life, it doesn't have to stay there. By the grace of God, it can be transformed into a godly marriage if you'll keep your hands off your spouse and do your work in the prayer closet and love and support your spouse without judging them so that by your extreme example of love and devotion to them, they will see a demonstration of the love of Jesus Christ. And believe me, they will be deeply convicted. And you will win them to Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And not by your articulate ability to beat them up with the truth. Because their salvation will not be based on your ability to out-argue them. It will be based on your ability to out-pray them and to out-love them. Now let's come to the passage for this evening. Galatians, the fourth chapter. I'll begin with verse 21. Galatians, the fourth chapter beginning with verse 21. I want you to know as you look at this what my task is and why my task is so very difficult. I have only one goal, and that is that Jesus Christ be birthed in you. I want Jesus Christ to be birthed in your marriage. I want Jesus Christ to be birthed in your children I want Jesus Christ to be formed in you. Now, begin with verse 21. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman, the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a promise. So now we have two ways of walking that are being outlined. One is a natural process under a set of rules and regulations. The other is a process of living by faith, by a promise... And it comes by the power of the Spirit. Now, I have to tell you, when I began this walk, everything that I had seen up to this point, I had seen come about because of my interference in the physical realm. So that if I was talking to my board and we wanted to do a Christmas special on television and we needed $50,000 to do the production for that broadcast. I could say to the board, let's pray and let's ask Jesus to send us the $50,000. And everybody would say, yes, let's pray. And we would all pray and ask God to send us the $50,000. And then after the board meeting, I'd get on the telephone and I'd do my work. And my work was reaching out and touching those business people in the church and in the community that had IOUs coming my way. I had visited Mama when she was dying, 
Anything I can do for you, pastor, just come on by. Give me a call. I'd done this. Just talk to me, pastor. When you need, when there's a project, call me. Okay, so I pick up the phone and I call. And soon I have the commitments for the $50,000. Now I can stand up in front of the congregation and say, we're going to do this special on Christmas for television. And Jesus has given us the money. Jesus didn't give us the money. A salesman gave us the money. Somebody who was good at collecting IOUs gave us the money. Well, I looked at that and it made me sick. And I said, God, where are you? And so I began to pray, and it took about a year and a half of an hour a day. Then it went to two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hours a day on my face before God, and he wasn't answering. After a year and a half, he answered. And one of the first things he said to me was, this is your church, not mine, so go ahead and close it. Close it? This is what I've created can't you use my Ishmael? Close it. It's your church, not mine. I don't want it. So Jan and I went to the board of elders. Sandy, you were there. We parceled out families to this church and to that church. After everybody was parceled out, we had no church. And I lay on my face before God and said, now what? What do you do then? Now, if God doesn't show up, you die. Or you cast it off and say, this thing is crazy about God. I'm going to go earn my money and live a normal life. I have to confess to you, that's partly what I did then. I had financial obligations. We had connections in the business community. So off we went to NIH to do a training on conflict resolution for their executive level people. They paid us handsomely. And we said, hey, we could do a training company while we wait for God to tell us what to do with the church. That way we can keep the house, we can keep the car, we can keep everything. And we've got everything covered. And the Lord stepped in. He said, no more consulting. It's over. And it was over. Department of Navy, banks, airline association. I could list the clients. Jesus said, no more. Don't do it. Well, what do you do when you don't have money? Well, being a pastor, what you do is say, I have this great vision. So let's write a fundraising letter. So we wrote our best fundraising letter. We sent it out to all of our friends. I think one or two responded. And the Lord said, make a vow. We said, what vow, Lord? Make a vow that you'll never ask another man for money. And make a vow that you'll never go in debt again. We said, okay, Lord. Well, if you can't ask anybody for money, You can't go in debt. And the Lord has said to you, are you willing to accept from my hand only what I'll give you? And you've said yes to that. 
you can't go get a job. So now you have the options. Either God steps in and takes care of you, or you die. And God stepped in. And stepped in. For seven years, WABS, over $5,000 a month, paid without asking one person for money, without ever doing fundraising on the radio, always paid in advance because God paid it. God paid it. Now, what I want you to see tonight is that we don't have to walk any longer in the Ishmael life. We're being called the transition to walk as the son of promise. Now, does that mean you're supposed to leave the job you're at? No. It means you're supposed to listen to the Spirit of God and do exactly what He tells you to do. Because that job that you're in may be the precise place He wants to confront darkness and He wants to transform and bring change in that place. But you are not at that place to earn money. Christians don't go to work to earn money. Christians go to work at the command of Jesus, and he chooses to flow cash resources through that situation. So I ask you a question. Would you go to the job you're going to now every day if they said, would you mind being a volunteer? We can't pay you anymore. Would you continue going? If you would not continue going, you're in an Ishmael job. And the challenge is to come up to the mark, to lay that job on the altar before God, and say, Lord God, you sent me to this job. I'm here at your command. I will be a servant in this place, and I will trust you to provide financially for my family. And when the Lord says your job is done then, you move to the next place he sends you. Isn't that what the scriptures mean when he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well? Aren't we to seek first the kingdom of God? Now we have outlined this slave woman who was born in the ordinary way, in verse 23, this is Galatians 4.23, the son of the slave woman born in the ordinary way, but the other son by the free woman was born as the result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively, for the woman represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she's in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, O barren woman, who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labor pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. 
I stand tonight by faith that the National Prayer Chapel will have more children than the churches down the block who are walking in the Ishmael theology. I stand by faith that as a gift of the Holy Spirit and as a promise of the Spirit, God will move in the hearts of men and women in this city who will say, I'm tired of the Ishmaelite life. And I want to live a life of promise in the power of the Holy Spirit because I want the bondages of sin broken from my life. I want to hear God speak to me and I want to do what he's asking me to do. I want to walk humbly before God. I want to walk with honesty before God. I don't want to play games with him. Now I am banking that this avalanche of evil that has spread over the body of Christ will be recognized for what it is. And in my spirit, I hear the sound of weeping even tonight as men and women turn away from that perverted sex, as they turn away from that gambling, as they turn away from that adultery, as they turn away from that idolatry, from the television, from the sports, from all that the world is offering because there is such a hunger in their heart to know Jesus. I am standing by faith that the Spirit of God is doing that even as we sit in this house. That you will spend your time reading the Word, that you will spend your time talking to one another about Jesus, that you'll stop lying to each other, that you will speak with love and compassion one with another and that the devil will be cast down and that the Lord Jesus will be lifted up. Now, that's a faith statement and a faith stand that I believe, based on the Scriptures, to be absolutely necessary. Now, let's go on. Verse 28, Now, you brothers, like Isaac are children of promise. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born in the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does the Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. And tonight I ask you, are you a son or daughter of the slave woman? Have you been trying to live up to your expectations? Have you been trying to be perfect? Trying to please everyone around you? Trying to get along with everybody? Trying to make peace so that everybody would love you and you'd be happy? Are you a child of a slave? Are you under oppression? Are you dominated by the things of this world? Do the things of this world come in upon you and you have no power to resist them? Are you walking in slavery tonight? Or are you walking in the glorious freedom of Jesus without bondage, knowing that the bonds of sin have been broken by the blood of Jesus and that you no longer have to walk in those sins? Some of you have been held by sin for years. 
They become traveling partners with you. Everywhere you go, you take it with you. Tonight, I'm telling you, you can transfer and become a son, a daughter of freedom in the spirit. That's what the blood of Jesus Christ is for. Get rid of the slave woman and her son. See, here's the difficulty. We like our slave woman. We like our sin. It seems very attractive to us. Let me be specific. I like the option of getting mad when I choose to get mad. If you treat me in a way I don't think is quite right, I like the option of dicing you. I like the option of being able to say about you whatever I want to say. And Jesus is saying, put the slave woman away. Put that anger away. Give up your right to be angry. Give up your right to judge another. Give it up. You don't need it anymore. Let it go. When we don't get our way, we want the freedom to exercise what we want to do to them. But Jesus said, love your enemy. Do good to him who persecutes you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Judge not that you be not judged. You know, some of you don't want to give up the privilege of having a messy house. If I have a messy house, it's my messy house. What business is it of yours, pastor? Well, it's not. It's just that you're living with an Ishmaelite. You're living with confusion. You're living with darkness. And the Lord is saying, give up this Ishmaelite spirit. Have a household that is ordered, where there is morning and evening prayer with the children, with each other. I talked with a man this last week. He showed me his new house. And as I walked through his living room, kitchen area, beautifully done, I noticed that there was no television. I said, why didn't you put a TV out here? He looked at me and smiled and he said, because we decided we'd like to talk to each other. Isn't that awesome? And he's not even a Christian. (laughs) Isn't that something? They just want to talk to each other. So tonight, please, where is Ishmael alive and well in your family? And where do you need to get rid of the slave woman so that you can be a son of promise? Now, you understand. Let me define my terms very carefully. A son of promise is a person who walks based on the will of God, a person who receives from the Lord what the Lord wants to bring. So a son of promise is not going to go out and search and search for a job. 
A son of promise is going to wait before the Lord on his face, and the Lord will direct him where to go for that job. A son of promise is one who is going to not create and light his own fire. Ishmael always lights his own fire, makes his own path, lies down in torment. Isaiah 50. But the Lord God of heaven has called for a people who are sons of promise who will totally rely on the Lord God of heaven. Who will wait on the Lord. Who will trust him. How is it with your soul? Are you filling your heart with sin? Are you filling your heart with rebellion? With ambition? Are you filling your heart with things of Ishmael? Or are you filling your heart with the things of the Lord Jesus and walking as a son of promise, receiving from the hand of Jesus what he wants to give you?
You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 